When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We would be honored if you would join us. Hey guys, how's it going? In today's video, I want to cover a topic that I covered briefly during a live watch party of the Revenge of the Sith bonus DVD when Nick Gillard was talking about power levels. But in the book, Star Wars Archives 1999-2005 by Paul Duncan, we actually get a little more elaboration. And we get this elaboration right under George Lucas's quote in an interview where many of them are speaking with Paul and also amongst themselves in different mediums like bonus DVDs and stuff like that, kind of put all together on a page here. So something I want to go over is right here where George starts to talk about the characters and filming and of course the actors playing the characters and then right underneath Nick Gillard who is the stunt and fight coordinator who basically devised and created all of the fight scenes for episodes 1, 2, and 3 starts to talk about how George Lucas himself implemented a leveling system in Star Wars. And this is also something that can be confirmed as well when we go to the Empire Strikes Back or the Return of the Jedi making of book. It's one of the two. And I made a video on that before as well where George himself in the early, early 80s is talking about power levels in Star Wars. So before we get to the quote, essentially what that video was about George Lucas had discussed that the Emperor was a level, I think it was a 6 or uh, an 8 or something, and he was about to get to a level 10, and all the other characters kind of had to work to stop the Empire so that the Emperor wouldn't get to a level 10, because if he got to a level 10, then it was game over and he was just too powerful. He also went on to mention that Luke was a level 2 in A New Hope, Vader was a 4, Obi-Wan was a 6, the Emperor was a 6, and then jumped to an 8 and was going to become a 10 or something like that. So, leveling system, while we haven't heard of it in any sort of canon or legends material all that much, it is explained in the making of books and the bonus DVDs, so that's something I really wanted to talk about here. And here we go with the excerpt. So this one is called Level 9, and George Lucas says, In the dramatic scenes, the actors have to understand the character and the emotional content of what's going on, and memorize the lines. For the sword fighting, you have to learn hundreds of moves and memorize them, or you get hit in the head. So he's essentially saying that he splits up the filming between just filming dialogue and acting versus filming the fighting scenes. So here's what he says about that. I decided that it's better to have the actors focus on their acting for the first part of the filming, and then later on focus on their sword fighting and the action set pieces. So he says if you mix those up, it's actually going to be harder for the actor to cope with. He also goes on to say that it's quite a different way of shooting. It's very tedious to shoot action set pieces because it gets broken down into little pieces, where it's not like setting up and staging a scene from beginning to end, having the actors run through it like it's a stage play, and then covering all of the different angles. 
George then goes on to say that in Revenge of the Sith, they filmed the longest continuous sword fight that has ever been filmed. <laughs> so that means that they had weeks of the guys coming as stunt guys and of course Hayden and Ewan coming in at 7 in the morning and fighting until 7 at night with not very much rest. Then we have the part from Nick Gillard which talks about their training and of course the leveling system. So I wanted to provide that backstory part from George Lucas and now this is what Nick says. The fighting has evolved considerably in these last three movies. George works on a system of skill levels. Yoda is a level 9. Darth Sidious is a level 9. Mace Windu is a level 8. On Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan was a level 6 or 7. On this film, he's moved up to level 8, which affects his style of fighting. Anakin in Attack of the Clones was a level 7. In this film, he has moved up to a level 9. He's gone past Obi-Wan, and the difference is because of the dark side. Even though Yoda is a level 9, it's controlled. So, if you think of it, the way I'm gathering this information is essentially Anakin jumped up pretty hard. So Anakin pretty much went on roids and made some insane gains, but the problem was that these gains aren't controlled, like what Nick is saying that George Lucas has created. So if you think of it, you know, let's say a sniper has the same amount of power as a shotgun, but one is controlled and directed versus the other is just rampant and just goes all over the place. I'd say Anakin is like the shoddy and Yoda is like the sniper. And then I think Palpatine is like a shoddy and a sniper put into one. So he's just absolutely insane and volatile. He goes on to say that you have to go through each level to attain the next level. So I guess kind of like Dragon Ball Z where you shouldn't really skip levels because that way you're not really training the in-between part so that you can stay in, let's say, Super Saiyan 3 for a longer period of time. So you need to ascend to that Super Saiyan 2 level in order to get the power and be able to comfortably stay at Super Saiyan 3 much, much longer than if you were just a Super Saiyan 1 and jumped into 3. He concludes that Anakin is too young to go through the trials, so he's got to this level too soon. Anakin's downfall is going to be his aggression, which is exactly what we see. And he goes on to say that Obi-Wan is also actually aggressive, but he has gone through all of the levels. So he's taken the time, he's learned everything that he needs to learn about the Force, about achieving these different leveling systems, so to speak, and that is going to give him the edge. So this in turn kind of explains why they were so evenly matched, but yet Obi-Wan won. Not necessarily because Anakin was weaker, but because Anakin jumped to a higher level without, you know, he kind of jumped grades. And when you jump grades, you miss a few things while you can adapt and learn, but you're going to miss some of those core lessons and sessions. Now, had Anakin not lost to Obi-Wan, he would have made up for it in no time and he would have adapted just because he was naturally gifted and talented. But at that time, it was just too far of a stretch and he didn't give himself enough time to build the in-between part. It's like he grew too fast and was just too skinny. He needed to fill out a little bit more. Nick goes on to talk about Hayden Christensen's training and he says that he had to be much bigger physically in this film. So they gave Hayden eight weeks before shooting began to come in and train and work out. So he'd be in the rehearsal room for four hours a day, sword fighting, and then he would spend two or three hours in the gym getting jacked on a brutal exercise routine, working on specific muscle groups, he says. They also gave him a very special diet plan for him to put on a huge amount of weight. And then he goes on to explain his experience with the two, and he says that he's worked with Ewan for six or seven years and Hayden for three, and both of them are phenomenal at fighting. They have brilliant memories, and Ewan has over 1,000 moves to learn in Revenge of the Sith alone. 
So the part that I want to circle back to that I find extremely interesting that I don't think I actually covered in the previous video during the live stream. I, I think we were just, you know, skipping by it and, you know, watching the rest. But he goes on to say that Yoda is a level 9, Sidious is a level 9, Mace Windu is a level 8. So this is official confirmation for me that Mace Windu wasn't as powerful as Yoda. While some may believe that he was supposed to be the chosen one, that's just a fan theory. But he wasn't actually as powerful as Yoda, even though he did make some of the commanding decisions on the Jedi Council, he wasn't numero uno. He wasn't tit for tat with Yoda. Yoda was still more powerful, but Mace Windu was very, very close. Now, you may be asking, well, why did Mace beat Palpatine? Well, that's because of his special ability called Vapod, and this allows him to channel the dark side energy within himself and his opponent back onto his opponent. He also has the ability called Shatterpoint, which is probably the most overly powered thing I've ever seen in Star Wars. He can look at any object, any situation, any person, being, or thing, and see their weakest point and <laughs> know where to attack to win. And yes, even a situation, he knows how to defeat anything. So Mace Windu is a level 8, so in episode 1 with Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan was a level 6, or a 7. So I'm guessing like at the beginning, when they met Jar Jar, he was a level 6, and then he was a level 7 once he defeated Maul. And in this film, he moved up to a level 8. So during the Clone Wars, uh, he essentially, from episode 2 to episode 3, he leveled up one level. And I'm saying that because I think, you know, he was level 6 at the beginning of episode 1 and then level 7 at the end of episode 1, you know, once he became a knight. And this level up system, Nick goes on to say that affects his fighting style. Now, Anakin in episode 2, when he destroyed the Tusken Raiders to protect his, well, not protect, but avenge his mother, was a level 7. So, already we can see Anakin was more powerful than Obi-Wan when they were around the same age. But in Revenge of the Sith, he moved up to a level 9. So during the Clone Wars, Obi-Wan went up one level, whereas Anakin went up two levels. And he's gone past Obi-Wan, and the difference is because of the dark side. So the dark side doesn't necessarily make you stronger, but I believe Yoda wasn't entirely truthful with Luke about that, because it does, but it only just gets you to, let's say, your potential faster. So let's say it takes you a year to get from a level 8 to a level 9. Well, if you join the dark side club, then you get from a level 8 to a level 9, probably within like two months or one month or you know pretty much just turning to the dark side itself now i should also mention that this wasn't instantaneous anakin was using the dark side when he was fighting dooku and this is mentioned in matthew stover's revenge of the sith novel when anakin is fighting dooku dooku thinks to himself and this is written in the book which was very fascinating it was written that dooku says that he is already half Sith, and that he has this furnace for a heart that just continues to burn and burn and burn, and essentially subdue him further into the dark side. And this is what makes Anakin such a powerful character. It's because he's essentially like the Hulk, you know? You just make him more angry, he becomes more powerful. And him being half Sith, or being noted as half Sith already from the beginning of the film, kind of just shows you that I think once Anakin killed the Tusken Raiders, that was his true first taste into the dark side. And the Attack of the Clones novel actually goes on to explain so much more that Anakin does when he kills the Tuscans. He goes on and he just throws boulders at them, crushes them with boulders, he uses force speed, and it's like he was moving like a vampire through the night as the moon was cascading along his robes that were flowing in the wind. It was just like, it was pretty sweet. I don't know if that 
exactly was verbatim with the cascading in the moonlight thing, but that's just how it was written that it made me see that image. It was, I don't want to say beautiful because he was doing some pretty atrocious things, but the imagery was uh, very artistic, I would say, uh, if I can say that. I hope I don't get canceled over that now. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this video and my breakdown and my uh, understanding of it. I highly recommend that you go pick up this book, Star Wars Archives by Paul Duncan. And thank you to everyone who supports me on Spotify and Apple iTunes. There's a free podcast every single day with new content. And of course, the StarWarsTheory.com forums, which have been just continuously increasing with your engagement. I thank you so much for all that support. You guys are building a fantastic community and I couldn't be more proud of you. Hope you have a great day. Thanks for watching this vid and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, remember, the force will be with you always.